This week's guest is Kate Gerwin, who joins us from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Kate is the founder and one of the owners of Happy Accidents, a distillery and cocktail bar. The bar is 100% bartender-owned and puts staff first in all operational decisions. Kate is a certified master sommelier and has worked for several of Napa Valley's top wineries, consulted on TV shows, and has taught at such prestigious culinary institutions such as the Le Cordon Bleu campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the New England Culinary Institute in Montpellier, Vermont. Most recently, Kate is a contestant on the Netflix cocktail competition series, Drink Masters. Kate is a wonderful guest. You're going to love the interview. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. This is Dan. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing all right. Thanks. Yourself? How are you? Doing fine. Doing fine. Wonderful. I was up uh, last night binging this new show on Netflix. We have a guest joining us, and I told her she can't tell us how it ends because I haven't got to the end yet. (laughs) (laughs) Kate Gerwin's going to be joining us in just a second from Drink Masters from Netflix, as well as owning Happy Accidents in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we're going to talk to her in just a minute. Before we get to that, we should mention that uh, if you like what we're doing here on the show, then you should be subscribing, rating, reviewing. That helps a lot. If you want to be a guest on the show or would if you'd like to offer some support, Support, then we can you can reach us info at the industry club or DM us directly at the industry podcast. And if someone wants to find your bars in town in case they want to stop by yes. and say hello in person, how That's do they do right. that? Right here in wonderful Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, you can find Sugar Run Speakeasy downtown Kitchener uh, at Sugar Run Bar on Instagram or Uptown. I own Babylon Sisters Wine Bar, and you can uh, find that. Babylon Sisters Bar on Instagram as well. Find out all the stuff we've got going on. This artwork gets done by Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co. You should check him out for all of your graphic arts needs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about all we need to talk about. Sounds about right. Let's just get right to our guest, Kate Gerwin. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing all right. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah, thanks very much. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit. I do want to talk about the show, obviously, because I got kind of hooked on it last night and, uh, <laughs> and I ended up staying up later than I wanted to. But let's talk about first your career in the industry. How did you get started in, the, in bartending? Kind of by default. I didn't actually start bartending until kind of like my early mid mid thirties. My background really comes more from wine. I, I grew up in wine country in California and wanted to be a winemaker. So I, when I turned 21, I worked in wineries and shoveled grapes and I was a sommelier and I, you know, took the court of sommeliers test. My ex-husband and I uh, met in Napa. He was on his externship from culinary school. He was a chef. We opened a restaurant together. Uh, it was designed to be a very uh, wine forward and I know food restaurant and people wanted drinks. So by default, I started making drinks. Apparently people liked my drinks more than they liked wine uh, at our <laughs> restaurants. And uh, we started uh, getting like awards and stuff for drinks. And I was like, well, no, but just like go order wine, but <laughs> wanted drinks. So we won a, a Sante award for spirits hospitality in, in Albuquerque, you know, Spirits Hospitality in the Southwest, we beat out like Las Vegas and all these bars um, and people just started coming to the bar. And by default, I ended up being a bartender. I will say I was I was invited to Tales of the Cocktail for the first time by Charlotte Boise. 
after she passed through our bar, you know, doing work for William for at the time it was Hendrix, but now she works for William Grant and Sons. And um, I went to Tales of the Cocktail and I was like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> um, the wine industry is great. I still obviously love wine a lot, but I was kind of the outspoken, loud, um, possibly somewhat obnoxious one in the wine world and in the bartending world, I fit in a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's true eh? i know the wine the wine uh scene is a little bit more civilized than the regular part of the scene. yeah yeah <laughs> that's funny okay so but how did you find did you find that your training in wine like becoming a sommelier like did that did that help you at all when it came time to crafting drinks yeah did, i think it's probably why i'm considered a, a great bartender is you know I, I i have a good palate i taught two culinary schools i taught you know olfactory training and op- operations management but i taught basically chefs how to taste how their body works and how taste versus flavor versus smell and those things and i think that helped me a lot in making drinks so as a as a sommelier i would take you know something a winemaker created and you know you have to look at vintage and how cold it was and you know what kind of wine acidity levels and then i would take food you know is it fat is it rich in protein is it round and i would have to try and match those things like basically two creatives and finding like a, a happy medium and then with bartending it was just kind of like oh, this dish is really rich. I need something high acid and I would make something high acid or, oh, you know, this, I would love to highlight the berry notes. And it was just easier for me to make a drink than have to go find a wine that took the criteria. Right. Then I could yeah. just kind of do it myself. So uh, that's funny I, because like we've interviewed tons of people who have come from like the culinary side and we have interviewed tons of people who come from the wine side, but I'm not sure if we've ever interviewed somebody who comes from sort of both. It must've made it like incredibly easier to, once you get in there, like your palate so developed, plus, you know, like from the coming from the kitchen, like exactly what creates those flavors, right? Yeah. It was not like surprisingly easy. I kind of like just whipped out a menu at our restaurant. It was like, we'll just put these, you know, eight to 10 cocktails on the menu. It'll be really super simple. And people would come in and drink them. And, you know, they'd have like a, a cocktail at first. I'd be like, okay, well, what kind of wine would you like? And they're like, well, now I want to try new cocktails. And at first I was like, but, but it's supposed <laughs> to be a wine restaurant. And then I was like, man, this is so much easier. And, and then I just started really studying spirits and found that it was much, it was more my style. It's equally um, and, fascinating too, right? When it comes to like the, the uh, I think flavor profiles and like I think people don't think about spirits enough in that way. Like it's very much a wine focused thing. Um, but yeah, like I mean, once I you start like getting into it. Yeah. I feel like it's even more so because like the history, you know, our 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 world revolves around drinking more than people realize, you know, wars have started and ended and laws have been creative and times of celebration and times of depression, people drink mm-hmm. and people drink in pretty much every corner of the world. There's some type of drinking custom. So for me, once I started studying spirits and realizing what a rich history and, and how much culture was involved, I was like, man, this is, this is great. Like right. this is so much more interesting and, and so much more versatile and fascinating. And there was just a lot more for me to kind of explore in that nature. Yeah. It's funny you say that because the, I talk, I, we, we always used to say that like the bar industry is the one recession proof, proof industry because like even in like if you feel shitty you drink if you feel happy you drink right what well, we didn't well know I mean that. I've said that for years uh, you know the, during the Great Depression bartenders were one of the highest paid salaries oh. Jerry Thomas was making as much as the president and and you know 
bartending was so prestigious. And then the pandemic hit and I yeah, was like, it's I not pandemic proof. All, yeah. <laughs> I used to tell people all the time we have the most, our industry is one of the most resourceful. And like, you know, we, we always have a job because right. it doesn't really matter. People are going to drink. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, if we found the uh, thing. Well, that, but... <laughs> that was it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, let's, let's just hope it's still recession proof after the pandemic because I think we're on a one way trip to that as, again as well. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I if 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 our bar or, you know, what I've seen is any indication, we're not going anywhere. Right. If we survive, we survive the pandemic. And I think a lot of, I personally believe a lot of us are coming back. Uh, more empowered and a lot stronger to really what I tell people all the time is like, it's time for us to take our industry back. The day of the customer is always right is gone in my yeah. humble opinion, which mm-hmm. is not very humble. <laughs> but, I did, sorry. <laughs> but I really do like the day of the guest dictating how we do our business and, you know, the guest Googling, Google reviewing us or Yelp reviewing oh. us. And, and it's done for me. You, you know, you don't, you don't get to control my business because that's kind of what got us into this situation. We're working in an industry, you know, where we're surviving off of like two to 12% profit is considered successful. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no industry in the world where you look at 2% profit and people are celebrating, right. but yet we're just barely squishing by and people are like, yeah, I didn't have to close down. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is like literally yeah. not it. And I, that's fucked. I never time, even thought about it that way, but you're right. No, it really is. Like <laughs> yeah. you're like, Oh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go in the red this month. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, there's no industry that operates like that, but because we are so conditioned that the hospitality and we're supposed to give and the customer's always right. You know, we end up giving away the house essentially, you know, someone orders a drink and they don't read the ingredients and they don't ask the questions and they send it back. And, and yeah. what we do is we just go, okay, we'll, we'll get you another drink. And, you know, people, uh, we don't have, we don't have hosts at, at our, our door and people will come in and say, well, what do I do? Do I like leave a number or do, are you going to text me? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to text you. If you want to wait back. for a table, yeah. you can wait for a table, but yeah. you literally want me to hire an another tired human to stand at the door, to pay them horrible wages mm-hmm. so that you can take a walk that, so right. that you can, so that I have to text you. Like there's so many things in hospitality that we have done to kind of compromise any profitability or any sense of even humanity or, or, you know, equity that, we kind of got into this position where one pandemic, which it was a huge one, but it it practically broke us. And I think that's part of that is because we're such empathetic people in the hospitality and we want to make people so happy that we started to compromise just business standards mm-hmm. just to make people happy. I want my guests to be happy. I want people to have a great experience. But the, But we have rules and we have things and we have things that we do to in order to provide those things and still provide an equitable space for our staff um, and, a, and a profitable business. And some of those things, people, you know, kind of like, well, the customer is always right. Eh, not necessarily in my world. No, and they haven't been for a fucking hundreds of years, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. You're like, I'm like, oh, really? That's so awesome that you completely know the ins, ins and outs of my industry I've been working in, you know, just my whole life. Yeah. Um, but thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Know. You know, I have people come in all the time and they're like, well, you know what you should do. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah. 
I had a business partner who literally named those people the should do's. Like, yeah. you know, we should do. Yeah. I was like, no, yeah. tell me. I know you know nothing about this industry, but and but, but the please thing that, enlighten me. Yeah. <laughs> and and obviously the fucking Google reviews and the internet in general has made a lot of brave people, right? So yeah. they because it, it's oh, very yeah. it's very brave to sit in a restaurant or bar all night, not say anything to your server about having an unpleasant yep. time so, so that we could maybe fix it while you were there, and then go home and type out your shitty review. Like that one. So I call him. I call them revenge reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have a Yelp board. It's very popular amongst industry people and a lot of great guests and things. But some people get like really offended when you come in. We have this Yelper of the month, and we put the crap reviews. This mm-hmm. the current Yelper of the month is a, is someone who said one star. Uh, I came in and they ID'd me at the door too much. Then we got to the table, and so we have eight signs at the door that say we're a distillery in a bar right? right eight signs eight signs at the door that say please stop we'll we'll be here to id you uh the third person at their table walked past those signs she said my friend came in and they id'd her before she even sat at the table too much guess the waitress who's actually a bartender but you know another yeah. thing asked us three times you know if we needed things too much too attentive uh this is ridiculous i'll never be going back and i was like so because we id'd you and because we were too attentive, you felt the need to bash our business right. <laughs> and prevent other people from having such a horrendous experience. Uh, well, um, I, I, I honestly, don't you think, though, Kate, like almost worse than the reviewers are the people who fucking read them and take them seriously? Like, why are you like anybody with a head on their shoulders knows that these yeah. people are just writing bullshit? Like, go experience the place yourself. Like, yeah, yeah. They, like, what, they, what they, they have too much power. Yeah, what happened where we literally have to go review, find you know someone, some stranger's opinion of a place yeah. before we w- will go in there? So we kind of just adopt, so I don't respond to reviews. I don't no, I mean, have no, no. a Yelp account. I don't have a Google. If you want to bash me, which they're usually about me, fine, great, whatever. <laughs> we care about our business. We care about people. We want people to have a great time. Come in, you know, experience the place. But if if you don't have a great time, like. You don't have to. You don't have to be so revengeful that you try and actually hinder people's growth as humans. Like my staff survives, and they have kids, and they, you know, they have bills to pay. And you, you really want to bash all of that because you just didn't like something that didn't go your way. And I think it ties back to that customer is always right. People have this ingrained idea that they can determine the rules in a restaurant, but when you go to the bank. You don't walk in and go, you know what? I'm not going to wait in that line. And I don't want to fill out that deposit yeah. slip. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to do these things. What I really want to do is just throw my money down and walk away. You know my account number, right? Like, right. Yeah. You don't go into the grocery store and be like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. But like in our industry, for some reason, there's this yep. sense of entitlement over our space. Like, oh, I'm going to go to this restaurant. And I know you don't have this on the menu, but can you make it for me? Right. And it's like, I <laughs> expect I'm it. Like, expect it. Yeah. I don't well, understand. I, I used to always make a joke about that with the with the birthday thing where people would come to your bar and be yeah. like, oh, what, what do you do for birthdays? I'm like, what did they do at the grocery store for you today? Yeah, did like, you get a free loaf of bread because it was your fucking birthday? No. Like, we got a review about that, actually. Really? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> we wouldn't do anything for, for our birthday. And I was like, I, wait, hold on. We just survived a pandemic, but you want me to give you free shit because you were born. Exactly. And I don't know you, but... Yeah, like, no, <laughs> yeah. cool. Like, yeah. uh, oh, all it's right. Crazy. Um, it's, the, the onus isn't on us. 
no, um, no. to host to host your birthday party because you don't want to clean up your house either. Like, I get it. <laughs> That's amazing. I, and I I agree with everything you just said. Okay, I do want to. Uh, are are you tired of talking about the show, or do you want to talk about? It a no, yeah, no, it's okay. fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. I, well, everyone, I, I know you want to know. <laughs> uh, well, full disclosure. I did not know this show existed until yesterday. We were actually being interviewed on someone else's podcast and he told us about it. And I was like, oh shit, I will. And I had reached out to you months ago, probably to be a guest on the show just from your Instagram profile because it looked cool. Right. So I was like, and that's how we do it sometimes. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and, no, I mean, you, you, I'm not going to lie. You totally lucked out because like, yeah. Someone had even said, because I have so not, not like, oh, so many requests. No, no, no yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but yeah. like, someone was like, oh, you, you're pug. I'm like, I, yeah, because I've just been so busy. And they're like, oh, you're, you're doing a pug. And I was like, no, these people asked months and months ago. And they were like, lucky them. And I was I like, know. hey. Well, thanks I, for following make, through. No, no, but yeah, I, I had no, I had no, I had no clue about the show at all until last night, and then I started watching it, and I got hooked. What episode like, are you on? I, I don't know. I watched so many in a row. Like they, they just kept saying, "Are you still watching?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course yeah. I am." <laughs> but um, the last one I watched, I think might have been. I can't remember what order they came in now, but no, the, I think it was the dessert one, maybe. Dessert, uh, yeah. yeah. That's but it was about good. midpoint. That's where. I okay, so I might have made it an episode faster than that because my wife came in and she's also a bartender and she got into it. So then I was like, so we stayed up a little later, but I, and I, I talked to Kate before we started and said, you can't tell me what happened because I haven't got to the end yet. But when I'd stopped, you were still alive, and uh, so I have a few questions about it. First of all, like, how do you get approached to be on the show? Like, uh, as, as well as all the other bartenders on the show, all of you guys were awesome on it. Like, yeah. So they, there was application. I was was scouted. I guess um, you would say I many many moons ago did this incredible uh tv show called bar rescue oh um, okay, yeah, yeah. See lots of that one. yeah <laughs> but, yeah uh, we're gonna we're gonna we'll skip but, that um, yeah. yeah one of the producers on that show was just an awesome human and over the years still kind of kept in touch through facebook and there they were he had been trying to do a show like this for years but what people don't realize is there's a lot of reasons why a show like this has never been done is like drinks aren't like food we put a drink up it immediately starts to die yeah and filming takes forever. So every angle, every shot and drinks get sweaty and they get gross and they don't taste the same. And so it was a huge undertaking for them to figure out how they could really accomplish this. And what the other thing that people don't realize is like a drinking show is really hard because you can't, you can't have like an old fashioned challenge, right? You don't want to be like, all right, everyone make an old fashioned and 12 brown drinks go up. It's right. not entertaining. It's not, it's not visual. Pleasing. You can't yeah. taste yeah. it. People are like, cool. Right. Same so, drink looks, looks the same on every single yeah. plate. So it was a, it was a huge thing for them. So once they, they finally figured out that they could produce it, they reached out to lots of industry professionals and asked us to help them, you know, get people involved. I posted on my, my Instagram and my socials, like, Hey guys, there's an application for this show. And they had asked me if I was interested. I haven't competed in a very, very long time. So at first I was like, eh, you know, I'm old. I'm good. Uh, I don't really do competitions anymore. I had talked to them a little bit about, you know, being maybe a guest judge or, but my staff and, and my, you know, the people that I had kind of post, I posted people like, well, you're not doing this. And I was like, no, you know, so I just opened a bar and, you know, we really wanted to get the, our name out there. We're in a smaller market and my staff is very important to me. And I really want this business to, you know, become their future. And honestly, I just kind of was like, man, this is, this is going to give us a lot of publicity and a lot of, you know, street cred. I should go do it. And, when I talked to them about the diversity, you know, they they agreed that 
not on my side, but like it was going to be very diverse cast and it wasn't just going to be people from Chicago and New York and, you know, the typical cities. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's let's see what's out there and, and give it a go. Honestly, I swear to God, I was watching the show last night. I turned it on and they started introducing all the bartenders. And I was like, why does that woman look familiar to me? And I was like, oh, I think we're interviewing her this week. <laughs> so and so then I got hooked, but I started watching it. But I actually think like, how did you know how they came up with the challenges? Because it's kind of a hard thing to do. Like you mentioned with you can't do it just fucking old fashions or whatever. But I think they did an okay job with yeah. the challenges that they came up with. Like it does put you in a situation where you're creating a bunch of different styles of drinks. It does put emphasis on the cocktail itself, but also on the presentation, like the stuff that matters, right? You know, we were encouraged to make drinks, but also think outside of the glass and presentation, which was was very important because these things have to be visual for people to want to hold mm -hmm. on to it. Like I said, 12 brown drinks. And yeah. and, and the, the cocktails couldn't just be you know, all right, this round, make a decorate and this round, you know, make an old fashioned, like it had to be more than that. So, you know, going through it, there was a, there was so many challenges for us and, and learning curves, but watching the show, I'm like, man, you know, we pulled it off and it looks really good. It does. It came together really well. Which challenge did you find the hardest? Uh, the pastry challenge. For yeah. Sure, that one was fucking tough. Yeah. Dude, you know, like <laughs> they're like, here, have a, have a bread piece of bread like here's here's a croissant make a drink that tastes like a croissant no one wants yeah. to fucking drink a croissant exactly that's what <laughs> like, i was thinking when no i was one. watching it i was like, like what are we no doing one here wants to drink yeah. no one like oh <laughs> you're kidding me and like you know some of the other guys got like you know banana and like lemon meringue pie I'm like i can make a lemon sure. let's give me the fucking lemon <laughs> meringue pie that was the easiest one yeah. like give me the lemon oh, um, yeah. but no like that one was a little hard for me because i was like okay i don't really like sweet drinks anyway so i was like you want me to make a drink that tastes like bread and chocolate and that cool. and you personally would never drink either yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. All right. um, so that one that one was <laughs> difficult and then you know towards the end they wanted cocktails with stories about, you know, to represent you. And I don't, I don't make cocktails for myself. That right. one was really hard for me. And they would always ask like, you know, make a cocktail that speaks about you. And I'm like, I make cocktails for guests. I want the guests to feel seen. I very rarely sit down and think about myself in any of my drink making processes. I think about what would make a guest feel connected to something. Mm -hmm. So it's usually based through some type of nostalgia, TV, music, something that really makes people feel like they've been seen. So it was hard for me when they would they would ask for cocktails with our stories because, you know, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm a white girl from California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh let yeah. me dig deep, you know, like Right. Yeah. All right. Well, and the one I early in the show and I can't remember which contestant it was, but had done that thing with the bodega style cocktail or whatever. Yeah. It's like, okay, from New York that makes sense. But like, yeah, white girl from California is a little more difficult to Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, uh cool. Um yeah, I got a lot of I got a lot of problem problematic shit. You wanna you wanna talk about that? That sounds great. <laughs> Therapy you know? cocktail. Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. See how many people uh, I can offend on TV. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that I was glad that you gave us that stuff about the show, but I do want to focus more on you. I just yeah, we, yeah. Had, we had to talk about that, obviously. Of course. And uh when I finish watching it later tonight, I'm gonna message you and and yeah. either congratulate you or say good try or, or cry yeah no. <laughs> um, um yeah now that the local paper here published uh an article and i had told them like because the guy that interviewed me ben binged it 
Um, and I was like, Hey, don't put anything in there. And then they like did a headline and everyone comes into the bar and they're like, Oh, I, 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 the, the news ruined it. And I'm like, Oh, great. <laughs> oh, don't do that. So yeah, yeah. Don't Google either. Yeah, I'm not going to. Okay, so like getting back to your bar, let's talk a little bit about the concept behind your bar. And are you still like physically working behind the bar? As, uh, oh, now yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I, I'm older, so I my body is broken down. I mean, I can't do that shit anymore. I'm definitely behind the scenes I don't do it like guy. I used to. Yeah. Um, but Fridays and Saturdays, yeah, I'm usually you know, in the bar behind the stick the rest of the week. I don't, and this is said, my staff is amazing. I don't have to be behind the bar, which is great. But like mm. this, this last week with this show coming out, we're just dead. Like we open the doors to a line. Um, and we, we've been on like quite literally an hour and a half to our wait. And then my, my staff is like, they're like, we're telling people an hour and a half thinking that they'll leave and they just say, okay. People want to wait two hours for a drink. And it's very, yeah. I mean, it's not a bad problem. I'm very, very yeah. grateful. I'm incredibly honored that people want to come in, but we are just getting our asses kicked. Right. And I went home Saturday night and was like, man, I haven't, I haven't felt like this in a very, very long time, but I was just exhausted. It's like when you go to bed and you can feel your heartbeat in your feet. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm having those nights. Oh God. Well, we won't keep you much longer. I just got a couple no more worries. questions. So you, so you're obviously still very involved in con uh, cocktail creation and the menu creation, I'm sure at the bar. Uh, mm -hmm. What, like, what is your sort of philosophy on how to make a perfect cocktail list? So we, I don't think that I, I'm very anti-perfect cocktail. Um, you know, my background is, is taste and olfactory and how the body works. And Taste, what people keep forgetting is taste is subjective. You know, it has a lot to do with your genetics. It has to do with your male or female. It has to do with your culture, how you were raised. Here in New Mexico, everyone drinks, you know, has green chili, right? Like everyone has a very high threshold for spicy foods. I grew up in California. I don't. Right. So what's perfect for one person is not perfect for someone else. If you are diabetic, you will not taste the same as other people. You have a much higher sensitivity to sugar. If you are a female, chances are you're much more sensitive to bitters. And that's just inherent in our, because we are the baby makers. And in nature, we taste things and we have to be very sensitive to bitters, which are toxins, which can, you know, mm. obviously hinder childbirth or child rearing. So um, there's a lot of things I tell people all the time is like, there is no perfect cocktail because there's a, there's a middle ground, right? Where you can get like the mass of people and, and kind of hit that palate. But some people, you know, grow up in cultures that eat a lot of sugar, like Americans. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a sweeter palate and you go to Europe and the drinks are more tart and they're drier. I work all over in, in, you know, secondary tertiary markets and we uh, measure the sugar levels of all of our sour, all of our lemon juice and sours when we make them. And when I, you know, when I uh, consulted in North Dakota, we would measure everything to around 26 bricks. When I consulted in Santa Cruz, we were down around 20, 20 mm. to 21 bricks. Californians eat a lot more healthy. They eat a lot less sugar. So it really depends on where you're from. So mm. for me, we have like 80 drinks on our menu. We're a cocktail bar and a distillery. We have a crap ton of drinks, but there is no sweet spot for a perfect cocktail. For me, mm. it's all about having balance on your menu. We have a drink that's, you know, it's like a cherry limeade. It's like, it literally tastes like a sonic cherry limeade. I don't personally love the drink. It's one mm -hmm. of my highest sellers. Like mm -hmm. people love that freaking drink. And as much as I'm like, God, I don't love that drink and I'd love to take it off the menu. I don't make drinks for myself and I don't make drinks right. for my ego. I want people just to feel happy and seen. And a lot of these people, 
come in and they really like the nostalgia of having a cherry limeade that looks like a cherry limeade. You know, we serve it on crushed ice and sonic ice and people get really excited and that's what they want to drink. And who am I to judge or tell them what they want to drink? So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think there's a, a perfect cocktail. I think the perfect menu has diversity and you have boozy cocktails and you have light and refreshing cocktails and you have tight tart cocktails and you have cocktails that are on the sweeter side. I will tell you that there, we do do things in our bar when we first opened here in New Mexico, we were we started out about 24 bricks. And right now we're sitting at about 22 or 21. So we try and gradually influence people's palates mm-hmm. where we started out and people would be like, oh, these, this, is, this isn't sweet enough. And then people come in the bar and they become regulars and we kind of like dial the sugar back. As right. we go forward, and that changes because your palate can change as well. Well, like, and that's how your palate tends to develop from sweeter to right. less sweet. So yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. we we do that in markets where we'll we'll start here and we'll dial back. But I think it, the the most important thing that you do is you pay attention to your guests, right? And you listen to them and you ask them how things are, and then you know how to make drinks for your market. And then when I think that I tell people when I think you found like the perfect flavor profile. Make sure you have something on your menu that is sweeter and make sure you have something that's more booths forward and make sure you have something that's, you know, that way people aren't, I don't want my guests to feel like they're, they're wrong for what they taste. Right. I used to always teach chefs that or people in, in tasting classes when people would be like, oh, I don't know if it's right. I, I smell or taste banana. And I'm like, hey, if you smell or taste banana, then there's banana. Like, I'm not going to jump inside your body and tell you it's not there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many co- flavor components and congeners and so many different things. You could very, very significantly be registering something that you register in banana as well. I just not might not be sensitive to it. So I think it's more about learning how we taste and learning how drinks are made and learning what the average market is and then having things that are around that area as well. And in, you say it's also a distillery. So what kind of liquor are you making there? Uh, so we we source import distill everything um, oh, okay. everything that we do. So you know we make our own absinthe, we make our own vodka, we make our own gin. I source whiskeys. I import agave spirits. Um, I import Sotol, Bacanora, Garcia, Mezcal, and we import rums as well from the the Caribbean. And we have a Jamaican rum, uh, a rum from Venezuela. So we do all kinds of things. And that actually is kind of one of the unique things about our bar is, you know, our bartenders have complete and total control over everything in the glass. If they want a high rye cocktail, they go in the back, they pull from the barrels, they make the blend and the mash bill they want. We have a barrel of rye, we have a barrel of corn, we have a barrel of wheat, we have a barrel of, of um, barley, we also have barrels of bourbon, so they can go back and make their own blends. If someone wants a citrus forward gin, they go to this the still and they make a citrus forward gin. If they want it proof to 45, they proof it to 45. That's so awesome. every <laughs> yeah, every cocktail we have is literally designed from you know basically product to end result. That's amazing. That's a terrific concept. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So okay, we won't keep you any longer. I'm sure you're beat. So no, uh, no, no worries. Uh, I, you're uh, you're fine. I appreciate it. Okay, tell our listeners where they can find your bar and where they can find it on social media, and then tell us maybe if you if you want to talk about your own personal social media as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so the bar is in the Knob Hill neighborhood of Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Instagram for the bar is Happy Accidents Bar. It was kind of born out of the pandemic. Happy Accident. My grandma was a big fan of Bob Ross. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the th- one of the things about the bar is us having a distiller's license allows us to operate in a very 
very different profit range than a lot of different bars. Sure. Um, all of our staff, it's a living wage. They all have access to health insurance, 100% mental health coverage. You know, we try very hard to make sure that we are creating an equitable environment for our staff to thrive and this not to be a pivot point or a job while they're getting somewhere else. So all of our bartenders are career bartenders. We're 100% bartender owned. And that's kind of the business model that we really like to talk about the most. The distilling part is great and it's fun, but it allows us to kind of do things that a lot of bars can't do. And it's not because bar owners don't want to provide equitable spaces for their staff. It's because we've never really figured out a way to do it. Right. And we've never really thought about, you know, we have non-negotiables. We have things like rent and things we know we build in. But the things that we don't actually are ever trained, I was never trained, is to build in health insurance as a non-negotiable. And it was just something that we kind of were like, okay, well, what if we just made it like rent? It's just something we have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of the way that we looked at it and wanted to make sure that our staff knew when they came in the door that this was like, this was something that was going to take care of them. So yeah, that's, that's kind of like our, our spiel. Um, as for me, Alchemist Kate is my Instagram. It's, it's me. I don't like someone asked me the other day, they're like, Oh, does someone respond to this stuff through you? And I was like, no, it, if you look at my post, it's me. Um, I'm I'm a a bit unfiltered and, um, I, I do talk a lot about, you know, just kind of my opinions in the industry and things that I think make us successful and things that I think are great about it. And then the things that I absolutely despise and hate about it. So um, I have a lot of opinions, some of them warranted, probably some of them not as well. You should, uh, have you thought about writing a book? Uh, I see. You know, I've I'm not trying to put more on your plate. No, 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 I have friends all the time. They're like, you should yeah. write a book. I am, I am a huge procrastinator. So it would take me, I would say probably 10 years to write a book. <laughs> Get uh, started then. <laughs> yeah, probably now. And I, I also just kind of like, I, I blab a lot. So I think anything that happens comes out of my mouth and then just goes out into the air. And then people are like, oh, this is cool. And then I'm like, yeah, it's gone. I don't know. Right. You can't remember. Yeah. Went, so. yeah. You got to take notes the whole time. You just have to record your voice at all times. That's, uh... Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> watching myself on TV. I've only been able to watch the show once and I, I everyone's like, you should watch it again. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. watching myself and then hearing the things that come out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, she is such a bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, Kate, we thank you so much for coming on the show, specifically since you've reached a new level of fame before I reached, or since I reached out to you originally and you still came through and we've oh, of course, yeah. on you. So we really appreciate it. You're awesome. Absolutely. And, and I, I think that your concept for your bar distillery is fucking amazing. So keep doing Thank what you. you're doing. And thanks for yeah. coming on. Yeah, thanks a ton. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate you guys. Thanks so yeah. much. Have, have fun. Stay warm. Yeah. I lived so. in Bismarck, North Dakota. It's cold up there. I don't... Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. about to turn on us. So. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. Thanks. Take care.